0: THE FOLLOWING MESSAGE IS FROM THE 2019 IBCD TRAINING INSTITUTE, IDENTITY CRISIS. LORD, um, BE HERE. I CAN'T DO THIS. I CAN'T HELP ANY OF THESE uh, DEAR BROTHERS AND SISTERS. Um, BUT WE JUST HEARD A POWERFUL MESSAGE ABOUT (laughs) WHAT IT MEANS TO BE COMPLETELY UNITED TO YOU. SO LORD, I PRAY THAT YOUR SPIRIT WILL in a sense, fill this room. It will be dis- you will descend on our hearts. We'll be so in union and communion with you that we will get what um, you want us to get out of this, not what I want, um, but what you want these dear, precious um, brothers and sisters to get from this, and those who will hear it too. O oh Lord, powerfully fill us and humble us for your great glory. Amen. Well, the reason I suggested this whole topic, and I'm gonna say something now that's gonna look like I'm disagreeing with Anne Marie. Okay, last year, when we finished, we said, What will we do next year? And because identity is so in the news, I said to Anne-Marie, run by Jim Newheiser and Bob. The whole idea of identity. Should let's do a whole conference on what it is, and uh, and voila, here we are. But I, I chose this topic because after 20 years of counseling, I still struggle with this. I really, really do, because because people are always coming to me for you know counseling. What do I do about this? Consultations, and you know you can. It can contribute to your misperception, misperception of yourself, like begin to think you're some sort of expert, right? (laughs) And it can be a temptation to pride. And if you do this a long time, and I bet you there are people in this room who've done it longer than as many years as I have, because I was a pastor's wife, so you know. Any pastor's wives out here? You do it informally, because people are always coming to you, you know. So formally or informally, some of you have done this longer than I have. But you can have two extremes. You can either have a temptation to pride, thinking you have all the answers. Um, you start giving advice before you pray. Terrible mistake. <laughs> um, or you can fall into the ditch on the other side. Um, you can get really weary of the battle. You can get exhausted because you, you say things like, why, why don't they change? Why don't Christians really <laughs> change? Why do I still struggle with my besetting sins? And if I identify with Christ, won't my battles be fewer? Does it really matter if I identify as a biblical counselor? What does it mean? All these questions just roiling around in my heart and in my head. So that's why I said Dan Marie, let's do something on identity. And I said, I want to do the one on this because you know what it's like. Every time you study something, what happens? Who benefits the most? you teaching Sunday school leading a Bible study starting counseling when you first took your first counseling course right you went oh wow this is about me <laughs> you who know, like oh ouch <laughs> and I came here to help others and look at this here I am so these are the kind of questions that I was struggling with so I this is what I've come up with we're gonna have you, you have it right in front of you I hope um, what really does identify a biblical counselor what are some of the traits Um, And then uh, how important is your individual personal identity? Very, very important. We better understand it personally because we we just did hear Keith Palmer, and didn't he use two different words? He used primary identity, didn't he? Then he used secondary. I'm just going to change the words a little bit and call it ultimate and individual, but it's the same idea. Ultimate is the core, the bottom line. Um, individual or personal is, is the identity that we have now. We're, we're trying to be biblical. We're trying to be biblical counselors and help people. So I'm going to use slightly different vocabulary. Same idea. <clears throat> and then lastly, um, uh, what is the difference between ultimate identity and personal identity? And, uh, and how do we balance? Because you know what? The Christian walk is all about balance. I bet you all agree with me. Everything has to be balanced. The Bible is balanced. It's it's us that aren't balanced. We're falling into the ditch on this side or that side. But the Word of God is balanced, and that's what we do as biblical counselors. We're trying to find the balance. So let's uh, let's tackle this. And I do. Um, I will have Q and A at the end, and I'll repeat all your questions because the most that. When you go back and listen to old uh, audio recordings from way, way back, sometimes the most valuable stuff you get are the questions. Because what are the questions? Application. So what does that mean for my situation, for what I'm doing? So please, please, when we get to Q&A, don't be shy. All right? I'll repeat your questions, and, and there's no dumb questions, all right? Not at all. All right, what identifies a biblical counselor? We know this. I hope we agree on this. Dependence on God's word. Sufficiency, sufficiency, sufficiency. We heard it from the beginning. 2 Timothy 3.17, you've heard wonderful long sermons and teachings on that. Equipping the man of God for every work. Does He or she doesn't have to study psychological theories to make a difference in the life of a hurting person. What God has revealed already is sufficient and adequate to change a heart attitude. The Spirit of God using the Word of God is sufficient. Now, it's nice to study psychological theories, especially if you're going to be a professor somewhere, (laughs) it really helps, but you don't have to know everything else and all the theories out there in order to really bless other people. We're dependent on the Word of God. That's what a biblical counselor is first and foremost. Next, biblical counselor is guided by the Spirit of God. Depending on the Word of God is not enough. Does that sound heretical? I guess it might in some circles, but I want to tell you, I believe that's the biblical balance. You need discernment for which principles and which passages to use. We have a big Bible. Where do you start with each and every situation? Philippians 1, 9, and 10 Open your Bibles if you have them. I'm not even gonna t- take the time to go into my little digital Bible here, but it's a it's a very important passage that puts forward what is best. Because that's what when you're counseling, you're what what's what's best for this moment, for this person, where they are right now. It's not just well what helped you or somebody else? What is best? <coughs> Philippians one nine and ten. Well, only the Holy Spirit can teach you that. Which passages to use? What is best for that time? For example, is this the time to press the need for forgiving? Lots of pastors make that mistake. They hear about terrible hurt in somebody's life. Oh, forgiveness. Go to the forgiveness passage. That's where we're going to start. Well... We don't want to get to forgiveness until we've gotten to the truth-telling part, because if you haven't spoken the truth in love and the whole story isn't out there, um, what are we asking that person to forgive the offender for? We have to you know when we just work on truth. We used to call it data gathering in biblical counseling, or, or or when you go to forgiving. You see, if you press the need to forgive that person who's hurt you deeply without having all the facts on the table. I mean, they're really not ready to start that process. Because that offender might not have any idea what they've done. You haven't, you know, gone to the offender. So, so you have to know. That's just, again, the whole issue of forgiveness is so important, but so is speaking the truth in love, getting the, all the data. What is really happening? And you know, when people come to you living in shame, how long does it take to get past those blocks and get the story out? Today, somebody stopped me at the vendor's table because we know somebody in common. And she said, did you notice how long it takes her to get the whole story out? She lets it out drip by drip by drip. You know that because we're afraid because there's so much shame. So you need wisdom and discernment guided by the Spirit of God because the Spirit of God is that thread. I call it communion see union will be heard about that's a done deal that's that, there's no changing union right that's your justification it doesn't go up and down doesn't fluctuate but communion when you're in communion with him that's the spirit giving you wisdom for the moment so what do I say to you right now what should I be bringing up for you what, what's in my own heart that's communion the, see that that fluctuates your communion fluctuates your unions the same never changes. Once you come to Christ in repentance and faith, union's the same. Communion changes. So the Spirit of God is right there. So what identifies a biblical counselor? Dependency on the Word of God, but also guidance by the Spirit of God. Um, Now, some of these are like, I know what you're thinking. Wait, everybody knows this. What are you talking about? I have to really remind us what identifies In that secondary identification, what identifies the biblical counselor? We want to be this. I'm not saying we are. We want to be. Next one, humility and understanding. A biblical counselor should be identified as a humble person who needs grace just as much as anyone else. He or she should not be thinking, oh, my word, I could never fall into that one. I'm incapable of that. I remember the first time I heard the story of a pedophile and it was just I wanted to vomit. And the spirit of God just said, you know, given the right circumstances. And for those of you who are listening to this, I'm holding up my fingers um, as, as a quote, the right circumstances. What I really mean is the wrong circumstances. I could fall into something that heinous. We each are capable, given the, the uh, horrific circumstances of going Uh, falling into sins that are unspeakable Just just we need humility to know that you are what you are because of God's mercy and grace at core You're really not so much superior to that person that you find Despicable It's God's mercy that has given you so many things inside and outside So let's be humble. And not think we're so much better than that person who is sitting across the desk from you. Or maybe who's in your church and hasn't even talked to you at all. <laughs> we need really to be to be humble and understanding. Understanding is also now I'm, I'm, I'm putting understanding and humility together. They could be separated, but understanding is essential. If a counselor is to differentiate between inner man issues and outer man issues. Oh, I could give a whole talk on this. Bible you know these phrases inner man outer man it's inner person outer person and they're together but if you don't I and mean, it takes an enormous amount of discernment and understanding when somebody comes to you and 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 gives you this list of what's going on to, to say is this a, an inner inner person issue is this a spiritual issue as we would say is this sin or is this an outer man issue is this sickness um, I remember my very first a case of severe depression was this uh, 18-year-old girl. And uh, God, it was God, not me. I said, I said to her, I'm like, um, what do you do like in an average day? And she goes, well, I go to Starbucks and I get a 32-ounce, um, um, a, I don't know what it was, caramel macchiato, white something gooey, creamy. <laughs> um, you know, and, and sometimes I do it twice a day. I'm saying, oh really? So I, I found out that depression can be very related to the amount of caffeine and sugar you're taking in, and that was years and years ago. And it was my first lesson. So I said to her, "Why don't you just cut that in half this week? See what happens?" You know, that was my one of my homework assignments. She came back. So she, well, I slept this week, and I feel so much better. And I went, "Okay, well, let's see. I think." This was an outer person issue as well. Like, I mean, she had lots of inner person issues to go to, but it just takes wisdom and discernment to know. Just ask some sensible things. And by the way, that is not on the PDI. <laughs> like, um, it does talk about sleep, but it doesn't talk about, you know, like, how many trips to Starbucks are you taking? <laughs> Out of unhappiness. Um, anyway, really understanding inner man issues and outer man issues. Because what I, I I'm go- this leads to the next one. We need whole person wisdom. Whole person. God made us whole people. Now, when I say whole whole people, I, you know people say, oh, is "She new age? Oh, that sounds. That sounds mystical." Oh, you know, is, is she doing, you know, mm-hmm? no. We're whole people. God made us whole. Now, I know after you die, you're not whole anymore. But we will be whole again after the resurrection. But he, here, you're a whole person. And and you think, well, what's she talking about? I mean, how many in here have ever heard of Gnosticism? Way back. Okay. Remember what the, uh, the spiritual was good, right? And the body was evil. And there was a wall of separation. And so they didn't, the one didn't affect the other. Just spiritual was good and the body was evil. And I, I look around now and some Christian, the way we teach and I think, are we still Gnostics? Like, there's interplay between the spiritual and the physical, between the inner man and the outer man. I mean, it's like a, a, a sieve. You know? There's so much of our bodies that affect our spiritual and so much of the spiritual that affects the physical. It, it, it's, and I'll give you a verse. 1 Corinthians 7, 1. By the way, I didn't make this out of whole cloth. There it is, in the Word of God. When the first time I read this, it just jumped Came alive. I went. What? (laughs) Purify yourself from everything that. Does anybody know this verse? Contaminates in some versions, defiles body and spirit. Oh, together. So you can have something that defiles or contaminates body and spirit. So if what you're doing, you know, can can affect the one, but then it it flows over and contaminates the other. Purify yourself from everything that contaminates body and spirit, you know the rest of that verse, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. So when you get this right, the inner man, outer man issues right, you grow in your holiness. You grow in your holiness, even though we are you know, holy in um, in Christ, but as as to your walk, your sanctification, it helps to have that. Purify yourself get rid of it, but the reason I like that passage so much because it brings body and spirit together now There are other passages that support that also, but that's to me one of the key Purify yourself from everything that contaminates body and spirit Well, you see you can't help with the problem if you have no wisdom to know how much of that is spiritual and then how much the organic component enters in I'll give you an example. You're probably, some of you are looking very confused. (laughs) Screen addiction. You ever heard of screen addiction? Anybody hooked? Okay. Um, (laughs) Screen addiction, I would say, it is a spiritual issue. It's a heart issue. I would say idolatry issue that now is deeply embedded in my brain because every moment of every day, I'm reaching for this thing. Oh, oh, what time is it? Um, what's the weather? Has anybody called me? Check. But it, it substitutes for 30 things in my life. 30. Count them if you're not sure. So is that sin? No, it's not. But my point is it's now embedded in me that, I mean, I've got a neural pathway, <laughs> you know, because you used it over and over and over and over again. Okay. But, okay, so in what way is it a... Uh, a a spiritual idolatry thing then it's not, there's no sin attached well I'll tell you, when the sin gets attached, is when I decide that instead of spending time with the Lord in prayer I'm going to what do you do, honestly, what do you do before you read and pray in the morning what do you have to do, somebody's going to be honest with me, you check the email, because what if what what if somebody contacted you, and you have to Return it, and what if they're waiting? And you're such a schmuck that you don't even return it. And so, and then you get into it, and then what happens? Oh, an hour or two, and it's like, oh, sorry, Lord, uh, I'll pray better tomorrow. <laughs> you know, and off you go to do. You. So that's a spiritual issue. If I won't take time to adore my Lord and walk with Him and sense His presence, because now is this, it's not sinful. It's a tool. But if I'm turning to it, so all I'm saying is that's a, this is a body-spirit issue, okay? This is just outer man, it's just this little machinery and it's just now stuck in my head. Okay, but, but I need to learn how to go to him. That's an example of a whole person wisdom. God made us whole person, and the inner person impacts the outer person. We all agree with that, right? The heart of the issue is the issue of the heart. Who's been trained at CCEF? There we go. What was our favorite phrase? The, issue of the, the heart of the issue is the issue of the heart. So I'm saying, yes, these, are, these inner person issues impacts the outer person. But I'm also going to tell you that the outer person impacts your inner person. And if somebody argues with me about that, because I have pastors look at me and like, wait a minute, are you making an excuse for sin? I say to you, when you're exhausted, sleepless, how well do you fight your besetting sins? Think of your besetting sins was an old Puritan way of saying those nasty old habits that you do over and over again. You started young, and they're just there, and you have a hard time fighting. When you're exhausted or you're sick, super tired, didn't sleep all night, didn't sleep three nights in a row, or something like that, it's physical. We understand that's... That's an outer man issue. How well do you fight your inner man issues? And they just sort of shut up. Okay. Oh, I get the point. You see, we're a whole person. The heart of the issue is the matter of the heart. Jesus said that very clearly. But he still made us whole people. And he addresses outer man issues. I mean, Paul gave Timothy the advice of, take a little wine for your stomach's sake. That sounds like That wasn't spiritual advice, by the way. That was physical. That was an outer man advice. So all I'm saying is we need whole person wisdom. And I surely don't have all the answers. It's like if somebody asked me, well, what about this supplement? What about this med? What about this treatment? And shouldn't we use oil? Or how about magnetic bracelets? Or all the things that, you know, are some outer man things that, that help. I don't have all the answers I'm just telling you the Spirit of God and the Word of God and lots of experience will help you get whole person wisdom next we need love for the unlovely that's what identifies a biblical counselor love for the unlovely Jesus modeled it for us with genuine compassion for the least of these you know who did Jesus go straight forward for the powerless he was always for the powerless in Scripture the widow and the orphan there, they're like the primary examples Um, because they were the most powerless they were had the lowest position in the prevailing culture of that day so the biblical counselor needs to make time for whoever has no position no power no voice today that's the abused I would say the most deformed sometimes it's the oldest or the people in the church who are just not heard think of somebody in your church who just everybody just kind of ignores They don't hate them. They don't love them. They just ignore them. Those are the ones that Jesus made special attention to. And I would say we need to be listening for them. Now, that often includes people with the label mental illness. Now, I'm not going to get taken down a rabbit trail, but I want to say something about the term mental illness. I use it and I don't use it. Well, that sounds equivocal. (laughs) Um, I don't find the term helpful because in the Bible, has anybody in here done a study in the Bible of the word mind? Mind. You've done it. Okay. Mind, you get the idea that it has a spiritual connotation, don't you? It's connected to the heart. You don't ever get the idea that it's organic. It's biologic. All right? So if you put mental with illness, what do you get? A confusing contradiction. So, when someone comes to me and they're hearing voices or all these other things, I say, hmm. And they, of course, they've been diagnosed with a mental illness. I don't argue with them, you know. <laughs> we give them the word of God and love on them. But, for, for your own understanding, realize that that's, that's not helpful and it doesn't identify them. Okay? The phrase does at least, though, give a label to those in the body of Christ who can't tell the difference between what is and what isn't. I'm sure you've worked with somebody who's psychotic. What is the definition of psychotic? Something's wrong in their thinking, and they can't tell what's real and what's not real. Like the woman who I had living with me for three years, who had all her um, outlet cover, um, you know, in the wall covered with post-its. Why? Because somebody was watching her. There, she was short of it. Okay, that's psychotic. Okay, that's that. Yes, you say. Well, is that a spiritual issue or a physical issue? Uh, both, because if somebody is watching you, who are we going to need to trust? Jesus. All right. So by the way, I don't always argue with them. In fact, there's a lot of times you don't argue with them. You just say, Who's gonna take care of you? Did I just hear somebody watching us through that wall? Mm-hmm. I just heard it. No. Yeah, just kidding no, no, no. me. We didn't hear, anything. <laughs> we didn't hear. Oh, oh, oh. She said she didn't hear anything. <laughs> just for those listening to the tape as I'm talking about psychotic um, fears uh, paranoid fears um, we're hearing noises coming from behind us it's too funny um, but my, I guess what I, I just want to say is there are going to be people in your world, in your family, in your church who have labels and just don't let those labels scare you just know where they can get the right identity. And they need, they need the identity of Christ. But you have real Christians who have incredible disorders. But I, I call them brain disorders, or maybe if it turns out to be their endocrine system, or, or gut issues. They've discovered that a lot of, of psychotic thinking is connected to the intestines. Um, so, I mean, there's so much research that has to be done. And we're not medical people. We're not scientists. We're here to give hope that no matter how messed up their brain is, or how messed up their gut is, or how messed up anything is, their identity can be who they are in Christ, and there is hope. There's so much hope. But this is an example of the unlovely people that we're going to run into, or maybe that we already are. Okay. When I had three children in the tank at the same time, I almost lost my mind. One day, (laughs) I realized I was hitting my head against the wall. I thought, hmm. I think I've lost my mind I realized it was so much stress and pressure that it was affecting my health it was affecting me and I definitely was unlovely Um, number six positive results in all cases are not what primarily identifies again this is secondary identification but positive results in all cases are not what is that that secondary identification of a biblical counselor and I'm gonna say something very clearly here I want you all to hear this my identity as a biblical counselor does not first and foremost come from whether anyone could say that the person got better did not reoffend was helped or even became more like Christ cuz I'm not in charge of the results I'm not the Holy Spirit now we all know that not one person in here would say oh wait a minute Didn't we just talk about the guidance from the Holy Spirit? Yes, but you're not the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is like a wind that blows where He wishes, and you don't get to control it. You can give the Word of God. You can be a very good biblical counselor, like all these things, but you don't control the results. And I know that you're most convinced of that with your own children, because you didn't get to change their hearts. And you were sure that you, being the awesome parent that you were, they would just be sold out to Jesus. Oh well. It's a long journey. So <laughs> my identity comes from who I am, union with Christ. Um, was 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 Christ a successful counselor? I guess we'd say yes. Can anybody think of a massive failure in his counseling load? The Pharisees. Well there you go, Pharisees, yes. Sadducees. Sadducees. How about the rich young ruler? <laughs> he rejected the the counsel, Christ himself. You know, But we would say he didn't fail. He spoke the truth in love, didn't he? He spoke the truth in love to that young man. That young man rejected the message and walked away. All of us in this room know what it's like to pour a whole lot into someone and have it go in a really bad direction. Or maybe it went in a good direction for a while and then they really fell off the cliff. And the story isn't over. (laughs) We're waiting, you know, unless... They're not around anymore. Some of my counselees have taken their own lives. So positive results, in all cases, are not what primarily identifies a biblical counselor. Well, look at this. It's 3.30. Time flies when you're having fun. Next point. (laughs) How important is your individual personal identity? Because that's what we're talking about above here, what identifies you as a biblical counselor? Do you care about the unlovely? Are you humble to use the word, the spirit? Well, <laughs> this entire conference is on identity crisis. So I'm not saying, is it even essential to have an identity? What is meant by it? Some of the speakers have done, I thought, an awesome job of teasing apart, you know, identity in Christ that you have in him. And then what identifies you in a secondary way? A mom, a counselor, a teacher, an artist, a musician, a preacher, whatever. Um, that you are but um, my message is that you'd better know who you are if you're going to glorify God and have peace and joy within yourself if you're gonna have okay and be okay with how things are going um, um, you're gonna have to really understand it so number one identity is the core of your approach if you and the people you're trying to help don't accept themselves as image bearers of God and didn't we hear an awesome talk about image bearing from from Keith Palmer And I think uh, uh, Jeremy um, addressed that also. You see, but you have to see that you've got greater value than the creatures of instinct. Have you ever counseled somebody who was OCD for their dogs and cats? I hope I haven't offended anybody in here. But there are, especially you work with somebody who's had abortions, multiple abortions. I have one who's had 11. Well, she is collecting 11 critters to, you know, cats and dogs that she's adopting as her fur babies, Um, You know, (laughs) you see, you have to see your identity is who you are in Christ and not as, uh, you know, I'm the ultimate mother. So if I can't mother children, I'm going to mother those animals. All right. Um, I'm not against caring for pets. Okay, I love my little critters. But that's you have to see your identity. You're an image bearer of God and you have greater value than creatures of instinct. And. You are able to worship and imagine and think rationally. That everybody who walks into your office, believer or not, you know, they, they, they're made to worship. They think rationally, occasionally. <laughs> Some don't. Not but, but if they're regenerate, if they are regenerate, then they are in union with Christ. But if, you, if, you, if they have a wrong understanding of themselves, you're going to spin your wheels. You're going to get nowhere. You're going to get nowhere. Philippians 3 9. Put that right down if you're taking notes. Wonderful passage. I am going to look that one up. Um, so, those of you out there who are listening, be patient while I go into my digital Bible um, and look at Philippians 3 9. Uh, I'm going to back up a little bit to 8. Indeed, I count everything as loss. Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things. I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Talk about identity. Verse nine. And I'm going to be found in him, be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. But that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Here's another, in him. Did you see those first five words in nine, in him? Didn't you love it? <laughs> Keith Palmer went through passage after passage after passage that really, at core, in essence, are all about your position in Christ, your union with Christ. I mean, it's, it's undeniable there in the Word of God. So identity is the core of, of, uh, of your approach. We are found in him. Identity is the way you view yourself. And people have extremes on this, don't they? I mean, you might have people who view themselves as a worthless pile of dung. Don't you have that? There are moments that you might feel that way. Um, But you also might feel like you're God's greatest gift to the universe. Or if you really have mood swings, you'll go from one to the other. (laughs) Um, But either extreme will impact your counseling approach. It'll also impact the outcome. See, if my worth comes from how many people give testimony to what a great counselor Eileen Scipione is, I've lost my way. Why? Because 1 Corinthians 13 is clear. Love is the greatest of any of these traits mentioned. And if you understand 1 Corinthians 13, what is it about? It's about Jesus. Jesus is love. Every time you see the word love, 1 Corinthians 13 is talking about Christ. So, the well, next time you hear 1 Corinthians 13 at a wedding, you know, because it's such a wonderful wedding passage, and they don't talk about Christ, you've been robbed. All right. <laughs> you have been robbed. You only heard a very small piece of that wonderful passage. But identity is the way you view yourself. So, um, don't vacillate between these two extremes. And that is what we do. When we're down, or if we're sick, then we're, we're just failures. We're losers. We're a worthless pile of dung. You know, accomplish nothing. And then, of course, I always say that, that wonderful road in the middle, that speaking the truth in love, who are, you know, that union with Christ, that's, that's this narrow road in the middle. But the ditch on the other side is I'm amazing and I hope you know it. Um, and, and, uh, and I'm going to write so many books and I'm just going to wow you all. Or whatever <laughs> extreme happens, our identity has to be biblically based, union with Christ, if you're not going to be totally wrecked and give up. And there are people who've given up, given up being biblical counselors. Some really good people have packed it in and walked away. Or people who are so full of themselves that you don't even want to be around them. All they tell you about is, um, you know, how many (laughs) people they've counseled and how many books they've written. and, And you just get the idea that it's really not about Christ. It's just about them. And, and it's easy to fall into either one. I'm not saying that any of these are beyond me. All right. Next, identity is the core of your approach. It's the way you view yourself. Identity is the source of hope. Philippians 3.16. Only live up to what you've already attained. Think about that. Philippians 3.16. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. It's just a very short verse. Just think about that. Wait. Only live live up to what you've already attained. Wait. How do you live up to something you already have? Live up to what you've attained. Attained means you've got it. How do you live up to it? I want to say this is one of those balance passages. Um, Hope comes from balancing out what Jesus has already declared to be true about you. What has Jesus already declared to be true about you? You're perfect and complete in Christ. All right, done. I never forget the time when I was just beginning to understand union with Christ. My husband was speaking at some prestigious church somewhere, and an elder came out to greet me, and he said, Hi, how are you doing? Which you say to the you know, the guest speaker's wife. And I was just struggling with this and I don't know why, but this came out of my mouth. I said, I'm perfect. (laughs) And so it's like, you know, waiting. Are you going to? And now in Christ, in Christ, I'm union with Christ. I'm perfect. In myself, I'm far from it. But it was just like Mm -hmm. I had to understand that in Christ, in my union with Christ, I didn't have to impress the elder in this very prestigious church who had my husband speak there. Yeah, because it's not about our reputation anyway. It's about his reputation. So, um, very, very important in, uh, in, in bringing hope. So, I want to say this it's not a contradiction, because that's what some of you are thinking. Wait, isn't that a contradiction? Contradiction to hold on to his promise. Because what does he say? You're perfect in Christ and in he- and, and the new heavens and the new earth. What is it going to be like? You're going to be flawless, you will be perfect. in every way in the new heavens and the new earth. So it's not a contradiction to hold on to that and ask your counselees to hold on to that while at the same time you're fighting tooth and nail. Battling the enemy. Remember? Work out your salvation with? How How do you put work out your salvation with fear and trembling and I'm perfect in Christ. Be at rest. My yoke is easy my burdens light wait they contradict each other no they don't they can happen in balance at the same time as you understand your identity your union your ultimate identity union with Christ and then also what God has gifted you and called you to be next number four identity is the way you view your counselee the lens you use with anyone you're trying to help is essential if they claim to be a believer in Christ, you need to help him or her identify accurately. And if they're confused about their identity, they're gonna to need to have the Spirit using the word to clarify and correct their identity. Now, if you have somebody, if you're counseling one of the counseling a young man and he thinks he's trapped in a woman's body because he identifies as a woman, you know what? You're not allowed to agree with them. You gently, kindly, lovingly, but firmly help him stay in reality. Okay, I know he identifies as something that he biologically is not, but we can't go along with the culture and say, well, of course you are, because that's how you identify. That's how you feel. You lovingly tell them, you know what? Let's, let's find out what God really says. And, 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 and how did you get here? And 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 there's hope that you can accept the way God made you. By the way, there are 6,500 genetic markers that can't be changed. So anybody in here who's who's, who's male, 6,500 genetic markers that make you male. See, it's not just an organ or hormones. 6,500 genetic markers. So even if you take hormones and chop off organs and do surgery, you don't really change reality. Okay, so we want to help them. So you really have to understand identity. So you have to agree with what's real, but be kind. Now, here, here's another, I'm going to give you another scenario. What if a member of the church who's faithfully served Christ for decades, okay, stay with me on this, uh, let's, a woman who's faithfully served Christ for decades, she has a concussion and she becomes depressed. Or else has had multiple losses. By the way, a recipe for depression is multiple losses in a short period of time. So let's just say let's this make it concussion. All right, and uh, she's really going through a bad, um, bad depression. And she says to you, "Well, I can't be a real Christian if I am this hopeless, right? How can real Christians be this hopeless?" Again, don't agree with her. Okay, do not agree with her. You take her back to her identity in Christ. Yep. And and you can tell her, yes, I know at this point you're identifying as a loser. Maybe you're identifying as a rebel. Maybe you're identifying as a failure. But I want you to return to your identity in Christ. You're in union with Christ. So (laughs) when somebody's lost their identity, whether it's biological or spiritual, you know, you're allowed to help them <laughs> along the way. You should, as a biblical counselor, not let them stay in their unreality, but gently, firmly, and often it's relationally. You'll, you might be walking beside them for a long, long time, maybe in the church, maybe in another setting, but stay in reality. So, identity is the way you view your counselee. Okay. Now, C, ultimate identity. Keith called it primary versus personal. Uh, he called it secondary. Um, I'm just. I want you to think in the de- about ultimately, and then personally, personally, individually. Identity in Christ. Okay, what does that mean? Or identity in my performance as a biblical counselor? Do you remember the questions I brought up at the very beginning? Like, oh my word. <laughs> so many people come to me, I'm, I'm either really tired and I don't want any more, just I'm not taking that call. Have <laughs> You ever done that? I'm not taking that call. <laughs> or, um, or, sheesh, I mean, I know someone who has put his, his number out on Facebook for anybody, I mean, a huge audience, call me if you, if you want biblical counseling, text me, I'm, I'm there for you. And so, he does distance counseling. (laughs) And and I'm thinking, oh, that poor guy, he's going to burn out quick. (laughs) Um, um, But all I'm saying is that we do want that biblical balance and understand. So, those questions that I struggled with, pride on the one hand or hopeless despondency on the other, what's the answer? And I'm going to tell you, I think the answer is that balance, a narrow road. Of my ultimate identity in union with Christ and then my personal individual identity you and I need to begin with the confidence of our union with Christ like we've heard from every speaker at this conference that's all done and and it's over with my performance is not the Genesis or the essence of that relationship I want to say it again your performance my performance is not the Genesis or the essence of that relationship Jesus started it He's with me. He continues. I'm in union, union, whatever union actually is. That's what you are in Christ. New creature. But at the same time, big letters, but at the same time, here we go with balance again. You and I must strive and work out to please him in our counseling. Do we just say, well, it's all, hey, God does this. I'm not prepping this case. I prayed enough. I'm done. (laughs) You know, like, and we can, if you have a heavy caseload, it's easy to just get in a rut and not be prayerful and careful and, and prepare. You see, so you, you have to strive and work out to please him in your counseling and you need to identify as a biblical counselor, not an integrationist. All right. You know what an integrationist is? Integrationist. And I guess if you've been around a long time, you know, that's a dirty word. Um, But what? Those who would be integrationists would say, we have to integrate psychological theories, that's common grace, with the Word of God. Well, that sounds sensible, doesn't it? Well, God's Word, psychological theory. Most psychological theories do not start with the Word of God. They're very man-centered. Man is good. It's been messed up by society. You can't integrate. They're not equivalent. You don't bring them together. Now I'm not saying we don't get anything from them. We do. Sometimes they do great double-blind studies. They do awesome double-blind studies occasionally. But what do we start with? It's the Word of God. So, no, you don't want to be an integrationist. Okay? We have to be biblical. But wisdom... And being a good biblical counselor knows how to bring in, what did we call it, outer man issues. Ask the kind of questions that go deeper. How are you sleeping? What are you eating? Who are you hanging with? What games? And if you have somebody, a young person who's really messed up, ask them for their playlist on their phone. You know, your playlist is your 25 most listened to uh, music. Oh, that will tell you what is influencing their brain. Just like that. It really will um confidence we need um we need confidence in what god has accomplished already in christ and if you do that's going to lead to peace you won't be staying up at night wondering oh my word what should i have said to that counselee have you ever done that after you're done with him you go oh my word i skipped this and you know i didn't even get into that I can't believe I had that whole lesson planned, and we didn't do anything. That person took me down a rabbit trail. I should have caught that. I should have brought him back. (laughs) I can tell. She's than that. Okay? We can rest and be at peace in the assurance that God isn't frustrated that people reject his lordship. Wait, wait, did I just say that? Listen. We can rest and have peace in the assurance that God isn't frustrated that many reject his lordship. He who began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ, in the last day. He's going to do what he wants, when he wants, why he wants. And he finishes what he starts. So if, you know, if, if you're struggling with a child who's, on a, who's moving in a very bad direction, the journey is long. So he who began a good work will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. But I know right now what's going through some of your head. It's that what if. Did anybody have the what if thought? (laughs) just said said that. Be ready for the long journey. You see, we all have the what ifs. But what if my child is, or what if my counselee is, or what if they never leave, (laughs) what what they're doing, okay? What if? You see, we can put our heads on the pillows at night knowing that Jesus is enough. We don't have to live in what ifs. He's enough. He's enough. But I can't sleep until I know that this goes around in my head. I think my cortisol level's too high. Have you ever said that? Well, it probably is if you raced around like a chicken with your head chopped off all day. Um, But you can put your head on the pillow um, knowing that God's in control. I'm perfect and complete in Christ. He's using me, weak as I am, Bad advice that I give sometimes, skipping really important things, other times, <laughs> not following through. You could have made a great breakthrough if you were just asked this question. Well, you didn't. So, what about that? <laughs> All right. But we can, we can have peace because of our identity in Christ. But I do want to say something about sleep because I just brought it up. <laughs> and I know I'm going to get a sleep question. I always do. Um, sleep. Is an inner man, outer man issue, in my opinion. Sleep is not something people say. Well, be, oh, you can't sleep because you're anxious, and be anxious for nothing. And if you just weren't anxious, if you just trusted God more, you could sleep. Have you ever heard that? <laughs> um, well, you know what? There is some truth to that. A lot of truth to that. But, but sleep is also an inner man issue, and there are lots of reasons. Physical reasons people can't sleep. They're hormonal. And and anybody at my age will be the first testimony to tell you, you know, why when your body changes, you can't sleep. So there are many, many solutions to that. You know, now somebody's going to try to sell you a new mattress or an awesome pillow, um, (laughs) or whatever. But my point is, here's sleep is one issue that is very much inner man, outer man, and you've got to really, really tease that apart. And I don't have any magic answers. Last one. If I identify as a biblical, counsel, biblical counselor more, you see it right there, more than as a child of God, I'm going to be discouraged when cases fail. <laughs> I really am. When they don't change, when they walk away, or they do great and then completely become a train wreck, I, I'm just going to be just so overwhelmed. Well, of course, you love that person. You poured yourself into them. Yes, you'll care. I'm not saying don't care. What I'm saying is, I'm a child of God, and he loves me, even when my counselees fall off the rails. Because he doesn't love me less. And also, let's say you have a message you want to bring. And you said, I'm going to write a book. It's going to be a bestseller in the biblicalcounseling.com. And it just doesn't happen. Because you get, I don't know, too, t- too tired, too old, too sick. <laughs> do whatever, and it, it those things don't are not the ultimate point. Your position as a child in union with him, your identity that's it, that's that's the core, that's the heart. Now, does he want you to do your best? Absolutely. Does he like shoddy work? Does he like, oh, well. I guess I'd better get ready for that case. Oh, you can see I've been counseling for a long time. You know, oh my word, I got, they're here in five minutes, I'd better hurry. Um, <laughs> I have fallen into that. But there isn't an excuse for bad counseling, but true joy comes from ultimate union and identity with Christ. So if I never ever write another book, if I never counsel another person, if I never take another trip to Africa to teach counseling, All right. Um, I can have complete joy that my value, my worth, my purpose, my identity comes from who I am in union with Christ. Last point Um, ultimate identity is the believer's union with Christ. I'm not going to make it again. Colossians 3, 3, and 4. Use Colossians 3, 3, and 4. Um, Elise Fitzpatrick uses that in in some of her core books. It's such a wonderful passage because it says, Christ is my life. is my life so let me? I'm gonna get end with a teaching tool that I use, um, and I call them truth statements. Has anybody in here ever heard any of my truth statements? Oh, a few of you have. Okay, I like them because um, I make you say them out loud, and anything you say out loud sticks more than if you just you know think it to yourself or, or mumble it. So, here is a truth statement that I I've said myself every day for five years. I teach them to my counselees. And it really helps with understanding your identity in Christ. My value... I said, do I have this written down? No. My value, my worth, my purpose, my identity comes from my union with Christ. My value, my worth... My purpose, my identity, comes from my union with Christ. And then I use Colossians 3, 3, and 4. Christ is my life. He is. It's him. It's not me. It's not about me. It's not about my reputation. It's about him. All right? That, don't, don't write that down. That's not what I'm saying. Okay. But here comes the part that I call the not part. It's very important, because if you don't have a not in your true statement, it's going to be pretty worthless. I'll tell you why. Let me tell you what the not is. Not, see, my value, my worth, my purpose, my identity, is not from, now here you have to fill in the blank. I can't do it for you. But I'll give you some great suggestions. Not for what anybody thinks about me. (laughs) Not how I feel about myself. Not whether I've ever written a book. Or for you mothers, do you have any ultimate moms out here? Like, I was was ultimate mother. I was Earth mother. I made my own mayonnaise. Back in the 70s, oh, yeah, I was Earth Mother. Um, and those children never had so much love and care as me. OK, it's no wonder they are the way they are. But anyway, um, but it's not how my children are doing. Because some are doing great and some hmm, really going down a very bad path. All right. I'm not laughing, OK, sad path, OK. So it's not from how I'm doing as a Bible counselor or how I'm doing as a mom or how my marriage is doing. Anybody's marriage is Don't, don't raise your hand. Marriage is 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 a disaster or it's over with no change in sight or, or how I'm doing there. Or as a church leader, you fill in the blank. I can't fill in the blank for you. And you say that every day out loud with conviction. Don't say it like my value, my worth, my promise comes Holy am Yes, Christ. Yeah, no, nothing like, it's got to be like you're on stage, you're preaching, because you are. You're preaching to yourself, and you say that every day, and, and that begins to make a difference. Anybody know a scriptural passage that would support that? Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, you're renewing of your mind. You're saying it over and over and over mm-hmm. again, um, and what is it in the brain that makes that actually become a brain thing. It's not just a spiritual thing, it's a brain thing. Neuroplasticity. Anybody heard of neuroplasticity? God made the brain with neuroplasticity, meaning it can change. They say it has the consistency of <laughs> jello, uh, half-set jello. But um, you, can, you can be transformed. So I want to end with this. Proper identification will bring you freedom. Proper identification will bring you freedom. Ultimate identity in Christ will set you free to develop your personal and individual identity. Maybe you're identified as, as a biblical counselor. Maybe you identify as something else. Maybe you're an artist, a musician, or a writer, or whatever. Ultimate identity in Christ will set you free to develop that personal, individual, secondary. And the Lord will set you free. So I'm going to close in prayer and then open to questions because... I think I can go to 415 without violating the rules. I think. Is that true? You can have a little time. I have a little time. To- oh, thank you. Okay. Let's pray. Lord, be with us. Set us free. Fill us. May we walk with you in communion. And thank you for everyone here today and wh- how we will help one another. In your name. Amen. Amen. All right. Questions, comments, arguments, I will repeat them. And if I get none, that's cool, too. Oh, my. I was, I was awesome, wasn't I? Yeah. What did she say? I just said, I was awesome. Oh, Michelle, you wrecked it. Okay, just I'm kidding. <laughs> she's very helpful. She's the counselor. Yes, what is your comment or question? Uh, have you ever had counselors that have Attacked you personally, and how do you... Okay, have you ever had counselees that attacked you personally? Oh, verbally. Can't we do physically? (laughs) I'm for physical. (laughs) We could do both. both. You will be attacked, I assure you. Verbally. (laughs) Physically. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you know you're really one of God's special children when you survive a physical attack. I have. I was, I was running a crisis pregnancy center It's back in the 90s. And, and a gal came in, 29-year-old. She was schizophrenic. She really wanted to keep her baby. But her family was pressuring her. you got mental illness. You're crazy. You can't keep this baby. So I said, being very naive, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll go to her house, and I'll meet with her family and help them understand that she's going to be OK, and we, you know we'll help her. So I go to their house. Happily, I brought an assistant along who had big, broad shoulders smartest move I ever made it was the Lord and we sat there we got there and she wasn't there so her mother and uh, some other relative the relative this guy was drinking anyway when they discovered that we were the people who were trying to you know influence I was sitting on the couch and (laughs) sometime when you're in biblical counseling you're so naive you're not even ready to do battle and he, he, he grabbed me by the throat. And he hammered my head against that wall four times. All I had to do was take my knee and go, whoom. I could have put him out. But of course, you don't think that. But happily, the girl next to me, she pulled him off of me. We got out the door. Anyway, he chased me down the hallway, pulled me back in, locked the door. She used her arm as a battering ram, got me in. Anyway, I prosecuted, and he spent six months behind bars. Yay, let's pray for his salvation. But I don't think the baby was saved. But one little example of, yes, it happens. Yes, it happens. Um, don't be stupid, though. <laughs> Go places without adequate protection. Copyright 2019 IBCD. All rights reserved. More free resources are available at IBCD dot o-r-g